Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today we're very pleased to have in our studio Miss Maria Otero, the founder and president of the Women's Ventures Fund. Maria, welcome to the program and thank you for interrupting your extremely busy schedule today to talk about the Women's Ventures Fund and your thoughts on leadership. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I look forward to the conversation. Uh, if you could, could you share with us a little bit about the highlights of your background and how you came about to found the Women's Ventures Fund? Sure. I'm an attorney by profession. I litigated for uh, about a dozen years in various aspects of both administrative and environmental issues. And I uh, was always volunteering in different ways, and uh, particularly around women's issues. And after a while, it became uh, clear to me that women who were struggling to understand how to launch or grow a business didn't have a place where they can turn to for information. So I wrote a concept paper that I circulated among friends and colleagues. And eventually, after a series of discussions, uh, it led to the launching of the Women's Venture Fund. And uh, when exactly did the launch of the, uh, the Women's Venture Fund happen? I think that was, what, uh, 1995, 96? Right. Our first fundraiser was in 95, and our pilot year was in 96. So we actually started to serve women in 96. And if, and if we were to try to sum it up in a mission, what is the mission of the Women's Ventures Fund? To help women understand what it takes to be successful in either starting or growing a business and helping them to grow their businesses to the next level. And how does your organization support women in business? We have several programs that we run every year. We have a training program that has different levels of sophistication. So if you're just thinking about starting a business, you can come and participate in all of our startup kinds of courses or workshops. If you're in business but you don't know how to get past where you are, we have a series of intermediary courses that focus on growing and look at what practices you currently have and how you're managing your resources. And we guide you through what could be a more effective path for you to grow. And for people who are more advanced and really are looking to raise, um, uh, either get loans or get access to other capital and figure out how to get corporate or government contracts, we have a more advanced course that focuses on that segment of the business community as well. And I think um, in full disclosure, I must have to uh, advise our audience that I am on the board of the Women's Ventures Fund and have been since 2006. So just wanted to have full disclosure. And then I just think, Maria, what you're doing with this organization is outstanding. I, if I remember the statistics correctly, over the last 10 years, you have your organization has trained over 10,000 women in business. Is that sure. correct? We're up to 14,000 women at this point. And that training, as you indicated, is training that involves in understanding uh, the different challenges of being an entrepreneur. And speaking about that, what are some of the key issues that these women are facing in trying to get their business started? When they're starting up a business, they generally don't know what it takes to become profitable. So uh, women in entrepreneurship is still a relatively uh, young experience, so they're not 
often a lot of women entrepreneurs that the women that we see are able to consult with. And so they come about it as someone who has experience as an employee with an employee mindset. And they think that if they do something really well, that that will um, lead to a profitable business. So their planning skills in terms of achieving a profit are on the weak side. And when they get past um, understanding what it takes to be profitable, then the question is, do they really focus on the right uh, sector of their market? Are they really able to differentiate themselves from their competitors? And that's where a lot of women in the startup phase usually have a problem because they don't really see how what they're doing is different from what a, a customer will be able to get anywhere else. But it's an important issue that they're going to need to figure out if they're going to be successful in the long run. And are the issues more challenging or different for minority women? Yeah, when you look at the research between uh, women who are in business currently and women who are coming from minority communities in particular, it's clear that minority women uh, business firms are very undercapitalized. They don't have enough money to perform at the levels that they need to be performing. And that's partly as a result that the management team doesn't have all of the skills necessary and doesn't understand how to access the areas where they have weaknesses. Uh, when compared to women who are coming from um, sort of the mainstream, we see that those firms have a more sophisticated financial structure. They, they're not relying exclusively on debt. And they will come to it with more training. They typically will have had some management experience before they've uh, started these businesses. And um, when you look at the success, the success traits of these women entrepreneurs, what are some of the main traits that you can immediately see when someone uh, comes to a, a training class and you go, I know this individual is going to be successful because of something about this individual that you see? What are those key traits that you see? Yeah, I think that successful entrepreneurs are able to see opportunities where other people do not. And that comes from having cultivated what we refer to as an entrepreneurial mindset. They're not just looking at the world as it currently exists. They're looking at how, if they made a small change, would they be able to offer something of value to customers. So they're always looking at what is it that they can do that would add value, that would be of interest to whatever customers they're focused on. I think that that mindset issue is, is really rather unique to entrepreneurs. And those that demonstrate it early on, and, and it just um, shows up in how they talk about their, the opportunity that they're trying to pursue and how they talk about what kind of business they want to get into and how they see growing it. Um, that's the really critical issue that I think helps them come up with a business idea that will have a better chance of success. The second uh, skill that I think is really critical for entrepreneurs, and the better that they are at it, the more successful they will be, is their ability to sell. Are they comfortable selling? Do they understand how to bring the conversation to a closing? Those are skills that women are a little bit reticent to acquire. Sometimes they think of sales as a, you know, a bad thing. And so they focus on 
manufacturing or providing the service at the best level that they can. And they believe that because they can create this beautiful doll or product, whatever it is, or they deliver this wonderful service, that that in and of itself is going to guarantee them clients in the future. And while I think all of those things are important, that alone won't guarantee them a successful client base, and they need to know how to actually promote themselves and actually bring those future potential clients to actually buy their service. So, so selling is an important um, skill that they need to acquire sooner rather than later. So in looking at having the mindset to see where there's value, that where someone else doesn't see the value or, or an opportunity, and ability to sell, I guess along with that is the ability to hear people say no to you and that you're going to proceed uh, uh, even against folks telling you uh, what you're doing it, it is not a good idea. So having that uh, steadfast passion to be a success. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. And, and there's a lot of literature about you know uh, entrepreneurs being stubborn in that way. And, and that can be a good thing because if you're clear about your vision, then it's a question of you having the perseverance and the passion to get it uh, to where you see it going. But I think that if you've never had experience as an entrepreneur, it's also good that you open yourself up to make sure that you fully thought through what it is that you're trying to accomplish to make sure that you don't have significant gaps that really are going to derail you from your path. And I think that's the difference between a successful entrepreneur and someone who's just being for lack of a better word, pig-headed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, something you said I think is very key is understanding what your significant gaps are. Can you share with us what some of the gaps that you see some folks have and, and how those gaps have really prevented them from being successful? Sure. Uh, women across the board, it almost doesn't matter what their educational background is, are weak when it comes to financial uh, data. They're weak in terms of understanding it, and they're weak in terms of analyzing their own financial situation. So that tends to hold them back because they don't know when to ask for credit or how to use it well. So when we're working with our clients, we need to make sure that they've actually um, established the right price for their product or service, that there's a margin that will ensure that they will be profitable at the end of the day and that they understand what are the drivers in that business so that if they continue to operate in a certain way, they know that they're building a business, whereas if they omit or neglect some of the things that are really driving their business, and oftentimes that happens, um, then they're really undermining their own profitability. And typically because they get focused on creating this uh, wonderful product or this wonderful service, they lose sight of the expenses and how that factors into calculating whether or not you're profitable. So um, unfortunately, what we tend to see is that women and many uh, inexperienced entrepreneurs think that cash in hand is the same thing as profitability, and it isn't. So they can never get beyond where they are because they keep confusing the fact that they were paid and therefore they have cash in their hand as though that's the same thing as being profitable. It's not because it doesn't reflect all the expenses that have to come off the top, so to speak. So it's so important to understand in regards to the target market that they're going to be selling their product to, understanding how many do they feel that they can sell and what is going to be their operating expense. Mm -hmm. So those are pretty big words for someone probably who hasn't gone to business school. 
Absolutely. And I think one of the things that is um, particularly important to emphasize when we're working with minority women, that it's not sufficient to set a sales goal. That sales goal has to be met in a certain time frame. If you sell $100 in one day, that may be okay if, if that's all you needed to sell. But if it takes you 30 days to sell that one, same 100 days, it's not worth the same thing. So you have to understand what the time frames are that you're operating under and when you have to hit these um, milestones in order to hit the profitable, the profitable level that you're looking for. And, and what are some of the profitable businesses that you uh, consult with your clients on that if someone comes to you and says, listen, I want to get started in a business, I, I, I don't know which business yet. Do, do you offer advice in regards to different uh, uh, markets they can go into with different products or services? Well, to a limited extent. It depends on their education and their um, experience. But sort of as a general rule, it, uh, if somebody comes in with um, all of their experience in personal services, then we'd probably want to look at something in the personal services sectors, whether that's cosmetics or sales or some combination thereof that might be appropriate if they could find a way to differentiate themselves. If they're willing to uh, spend some time apprenticing themselves to another existing business, then you have more to work with because then you could look at what are the trends in the economy, where will there be business opportunities, and if you were to build up your skill sets in one of these sectors, that will put you in a better position to open up a business that has better growth potential. So if somebody came in today and they were flexible and willing to learn and eager to kind of develop a business that had growth potential, I would probably have them take a look at the green sector because that's certainly an area that we're expecting there to be a lot of government uh, investment in. And so we know that there will be growth opportunities there. There's also some opportunities that you can start a businesses without a lot of money but you're going to have to spend some time training yourself so that you'll know how to operate that business. So there are opportunities that one can pursue with limited um, cash, but you have to really plan those very well, which means doing a lot of research. And we don't see that um, the typical entrepreneur that's coming through our doors is doing sufficient market research before they start the business. And, and for those of our audience members who are listening, when you talk about market research, what is it and why is it important? Well, you want to know who you're going to sell to and why are they going to buy whatever it is you're going to sell to, and that's all part of market research. You want to really understand what are the needs of the customer that you're trying to serve and how is it that what, whatever it is that you're going to offer, whether it's a product or service, is going to fulfill some need that they believe they have um, that's different from what they're getting somewhere else. If you're just going to sell what everybody else is doing, then it's going to be very difficult for you to steal business from other existing businesses. So you really want to make sure that you understand who the customer is that you want and what do they need and how, do, or how are you going to fulfill uh, that need that you've identified. And, and in fulfilling that need, how are you going to be different than other vendors that are trying to fulfill the same or a similar need? 
Kind of reminds me when I was uh, growing up in Atlantic City at our family uh, grocery store, there was actually a grocery store on each corner one block down from each other. But uh, for whatever reason, because of the demographics of the neighborhood, all three stores are still there today after all these years. That's great. And I'm sure when you go inside, chances are there's some product lines that one carries that the other one doesn't. Absolutely. <laughs> that's and, right. And that's exactly what the difference is. So when when you want that particular product line, you know you're going to go to that grocery store. And when you want something else, you're going to go to the other person. And it's going to make a difference if one of them has employees that are really friendly and really help the person who comes in the door versus if you go into the store and and the employees are kind of grumpy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So being um, in a very competitive situation like the one that you've described uh, is still possible, but it is going to impact how profitable you can be. So in that situation, you may be able to survive, but the chances of you becoming a very big success are lessened. Not impossible, but they're certainly going to be lessened because there are others who are there already and they're doing things that are similar to what you're doing. You know, it's almost like you see when McDonald's opens a, a restaurant, uh, you'll see a Burger King not too far from it. And mm-hmm. uh, years ago, <clears throat> through my marketing, my business studies, uh, there was a case study where it really talked about how Burger King would follow wherever McDonald's would go. McDonald's would do all of the demographic research, mm-hmm. and then Burger King would follow. So. If you're looking at some of your clients are really looking to where they want to place, whether it's a beauty salon, whether it's a uh, uh, a bodega or whatever the business might be, it's really for them understanding the demographics of their particular area that they want to target. Sure. It's and, like uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. Lowe's oh, follows Home Depot because they know that's going to be a similar demographic that's going to go to both of those stores. That's, that is so true. That is so true. And in that situation, it helps both of them because if they're kind of close to each other, it's like when you have a corridor of furniture stores and, the, and that particular strip is all these different furniture stores. In that sense, it helps them because that's um, by design. The person who decided to rent out the space knew the furniture store market and decided he was going to have these different competitors. So that's going to draw in a lot of customers who are looking for furniture. And they'll be able to shop among the different stores and decide, okay, I prefer modern or I prefer traditional. And, but you're looking for furniture, so there's some uh, chance that even though you might want a traditional sofa, you want a modern light fixture. So it, it's convenient that yes. all of these uh, stores are there. So they're complementary in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. most times it's not that simple. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And uh, f- for the number of clients that the Women's Ventures Fund has had, had over the years, what have been some of the most successful businesses that you've seen women to launch? Well, I think the most successful in terms of revenues have been uh, nursing um, home mm-hmm. types of programs. So we've worked with uh, nurses who have either launched uh, training organizations or placement organizations or uh, service organizations where they're serving um, hospitals or, or, or larger nursing home facilities. I think that that's been an area where it continues to grow, mm-hmm. and we um, continue to see nurses mm-hmm. come in to us who are looking to build up their business skills because they have an idea that, you know, in a few years they want to launch this business where they'll be able to tap their medical background to offer something that um, 
either doesn't um, exist at the level that it needs to, or that they can see a way of doing it differently than what they currently know exists. I think that's a very good um, business opportunity for those women. Especially and with our aging community that we have. Absolutely. So as we mentioned before, one of the trends in the overall economy is that you know a larger percentage of the population is aging. And so more and more of the services that um, are going to be needed are going to be focused specifically on serving that population. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we also see a lot of women being here in New York City that are, are somehow connected to the fashion industry whether they're designers or whether they're textile makers or whether they're, you know, taking their design background and creating furniture or pottery or something else, um, it's still in the fashion and, de and design kind of world. Uh, I think that those are major areas that we see a lot of the women that uh, have come through our doors historically. And in New Jersey, we see more women who are coming out of corporate settings that have a scientific background, and so they're looking to figure out how to patent uh, a particular invention, uh, or they're in the process of patenting a product that they want to uh, serve as their first product for the company that they're envisioning. Very nice, very nice. And uh, Maria, what type of traits do you look for when you're advising New clients who want to get in business in the business in regards to leadership style. Um, how do you advise them in regards to when they're looking to hire a couple of people? What type of counseling and and tutoring does the Women's Venture Fund provide women who have never had to manage people before? They manage families, but right. not employees. Right. Well, we do offer <laughs> workshops, and we will sometimes bring in outside experts to assist with some of these issues because we have found that women who've never hired anyone are you know, somewhat nervous about that process. And uh, sometimes we'll have a few failures, and so they're kind of feeling that they need some help to figure out how to do it better going forward. So one of the things that we're looking for is for them to understand that as their business succeeds, they themselves will be evolving as well. So. In the beginning, maybe they were the person who created the product, and so they had to sit there every night and build you know, the soap or make the dress or whatever it is that they're selling. But as they've succeeded, some of these uh, tasks are going to be delegated to other people. And they need to understand how to delegate uh, the task without feeling that they have to do it so that it will be up to their standards. So training employees, how to train employees is an important component, which means that they can you know, step back from the process and figure out how to empower the people who they're hiring so that they can take on the full responsibility of what it is that they're asking them to do. You know, training and delegating, those are two very, very important traits because I guess we can't clone ourselves, right? Exactly. <laughs> I know a lot of people who would like to do that, <laughs> but no, we can't. So we have to find a way to basically let go of things and make sure that the people who are assuming those responsibilities can do it at a level that we will feel good about. You know, some of these statistics that you have shared with me over the years are just phenomenal in regards to how women have really been the driving force in creating new jobs for our economy. 
considering the recession that we've just been in, um, are you still bullish in regards to how women will have a positive effect on our economy? Well, despite the recession, women are still starting businesses in record numbers. Um, one out of every four new businesses started by a woman. And it's important to support them because as they succeed, they will be hiring others. And we, you know, it's well documented now in the news and in the research that small businesses are the most important engine to the economy because they hire the most number of new people whenever the jobs are created. So most people you know, instinctively think that corporations are going to provide most of the jobs. And that's not really the case. It's really the small business sector that's providing most of the new jobs that are needed to get past where we are uh, in these downturns. So um, helping women to understand what it takes to be successful not only helps them and their families, but ultimately helps the community as, at large because they will turn around and hire other people. And uh, the Women's Ventures Fund also gets involved in, in funding businesses, whether it's a micro-loan or, or a loan. Tell us a little bit about the program and how does one apply to be part of the Women's Ventures Fund? Sure. We do have a small loan program, and anyone who's in the New York metropolitan area can call our offices at 212-563-0499 and ask for information on our loan or they can visit our website, which is womensventurefund.org, and they'll get a loan application, which they can download and complete and then submit to our offices. Uh, in order to be considered for a loan, they will, have or they will have to show that they already have some customers, that they have generated some revenues, and depending on how, how much they've done so far, uh, it will... Uh, determine the size of the loan that we think would be appropriate for that candidate. But they have to be able to show that they have revenues, that they have the skills necessary to be able to get the business to the level that they say they are going to get to within the next year or two so that they can repay the loan. We'll make a loan that can be you know, several hundred dollars up to several thousand dollars uh, for young businesses to help them get equipment or help them get their store ready uh, to open and for more established businesses um, based on what their income statements and their balance sheet will say and what collateral they may have, we can make more substantial loans or we can partner with other financial organizations to make sure that they get the loan that um, is the appropriate size loan for the project that they have in mind. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that the loan program is very successful because most of the loans are paid back in full, mm -hmm. which means that the businesses are doing well. <laughs> well, it, it, we're working with them. So when they're going through a downturn like this economic period, we do work with them to help them uh, rebuild their client base to try to ensure that they will succeed. Um, and as they succeed, they can repay the loan as well. And let's talk about you for a second, Maria. Uh, what, what, tell us a little bit about your management style. You've managed this Women's Ventures Fund for the last 10, 11 years and just managed it through a very, very challenging recession. Uh, tell us, how did you do it? I think it's important to have a vision of where you want to take the organization and then to see what are the resources that you have and how do you need to... Um, 
tap those resources to get to wherever you want to go. So in our particular case, we have staff, and so we try to make sure that staff um, participates in the planning process and participates in training so that they develop themselves as the organization continues to evolve. But we also are able to tap a pool of volunteers, and that takes um, some skill as well because you want to make sure that you are bringing in the volunteers with the right set of skills for the projects that you're looking to complete that year. So we're always looking for um, professionals who have experience with business issues if they would like to volunteer either to help uh, our clients with specific issues that they're facing or uh, help us uh, conduct workshops on financial or marketing issues uh, or in some other way get involved with the organization, that helps us to expand the pool of resources available. Uh, from a more sort of traditional um, management perspective, I believe in situational leadership. So I think that it's important to set an action plan with your particular employee and set some goals and then have uh, regular conversations about how they're performing relative to the, the goals that were set for that person and what do they need so that they can meet the goals uh, before the end of the year or whatever the period is that you're looking at and give them feedback so that they know what they're doing well and where they're weak and, and offer suggestions as to how they might uh, improve their uh, skills if that's what's needed. Wow, very nice. Well, Maria, believe it or not, we are out of time. <laughs> Um, I want to thank uh, Ms. Maria Otero, the founder and president of the Women's Ventures Fund. Maria, thank you for coming to the program today. And you're going to come back next week to continue our discussion, correct? Absolutely. I look forward to it. Excellent. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, Seton Hall University. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend. Okay. Well, that's good. That's done. <laughs>